You're listening to a Project Horse Podcast Extra. If you're familiar with Major League Baseball, you probably noticed that the relief pitchers are always warming up in the bullpen before they step out on the field and start throwing in the actual game. They have this entire warm-up routine to get loosened up, relaxed, dialed in on their accuracy, and ready to go in the game. And they always prepare that way. You never see the pitchers sitting around on lawn chairs, eating Taco Bell and swiping through Tinder, and then standing up and wiping the crumbs off their jersey and running onto the field. That, that would be ridiculous. It would be a stupid lack of preparation. They always take their time with a methodical warm-up, get dialed in, get loose and ready, then they go pitch. Now, I'm bringing up this example as an analogy for what too often happens with our horses, where we get in a habit of not really using our warm-up effectively, getting our horses in a habit of being respectful and listening from the moment we start our ride and keeping that attention on us. And this really came to the forefront in a question I got recently about getting a horse confident on cattle. A lady came to us who'd been working out of the herd on her two-year-old cutting horse, and she was experiencing a number of problems. The horse just wasn't settled at all. He's real nervous, jittery, overreactive in the cutting pen. And it seemed to be for multiple reasons. She felt like other horses and riders in the vicinity, uh, especially the turnback riders who, you know, will step up and help pressure a little bit and help bring the cow through the turn, etc., she felt like her horse was worried and overreactive about their presence and was just fractious and unsure about the cattle themselves. Anytime a cow would turn and face up to this horse and maybe challenge him just a little bit, the horse would get real bent out of shape, super nervous and jumpy, definitely not settled or confident at all. And in my mind, we have problems in a scenario like this on three different levels. We've got the actual training side of things and what you can be doing in the moment to start correcting these kinds of issues. Then if we zoom out from that ground level, we then can see a young horse that hasn't had a lot of positive productive habits instilled in him. He's kind of in a habit right now of just being worried about the other horses, other riders, things in the environment. He's just really got a lack of focus. He's not really paying attention to the task at hand. He's not confident in his job. And if we zoom out further than that, we just have a picture of a horse that is just a little bit unprepared from the sound of it. He's probably a little bit too young or just not ready. I wouldn't say too young, but his just preparation level, he's not ready to be working out of the herd yet. And it's maybe a little bit too intense and challenging for this horse. And he might actually benefit from revisiting some foundation work, dry work, work on the flag, maybe drive a single steer back and forth on the fence. For a couple of weeks until you can put him back in the herd and he'll be a little more confident and settled there. In the cutting and cow horse programs that I've observed, you can always tell there is a palpable difference between the guys who really take the time to prepare their colts and set them up for success and who build good habits through a methodical development program and the ram and jam types on the other end of the scale who have the stereotypical cutter broke horses, meaning that these horses are basically useless outside of the cutting arena. They're practically unrideable. And it only gets worse with age because they've been getting away with awful habits 
ever since they were two-year-olds. They're used to having somebody, either the, the rider themselves or oftentimes just a loper, flopping around on them for 30 to 45 minutes long trotting or loping before they go in the pin and actually start the work session. And the person riding during that warm-up period isn't really doing anything to get the horse softened up, mentally engaged, listening. The horse isn't being challenged at all to pay attention and get serious. And so he's kind of in a habit of just screwing around out there. And if you are consistently warming up this way, the horse gets in a habit mentally of leaving you, just not paying attention, not being focused on his job, barely even acknowledging the person on his back. Going back to my Taco Bell and Tinder analogy, this horse is focused on literally anything but you and the task at hand. And these types of bad habits, it's no different than the reining horses that we've talked about on this podcast before that will spook at the same banner on the fence every single day for a year. And as we stressed in those instances, often the horse is just in a habit of being reactive, looking for things to jump and snort at and finding an excuse to lose focus on you, just mentally leave and go off with the fairies. He's really not spooking, quote-unquote. It's not a fear issue. It maybe was at the beginning. Now it's just become an ingrained reactive habit, and it's a habit that gets worse over time the longer the horse is allowed to get away with that behavior, and that translates to any discipline, even trail horses that are getting worried about different things in the environment or other horses being around them especially. That's a big problem. People want to go trail riding with their friends. The horse is getting real worried about other horses being nearby and being close. And it's just all the same thing. It's just the horse doing what it does naturally, which is finding things to be reactive toward, being a reactive prey animal, and just creating mountains out of molehills. And so if our horse is being reactive and consistently spooking at other horses and riders, uh, the turnback riders in this case here with this cutting horse, that just means bare minimum he's not staying focused on us or the task at hand. He's paying far too much attention to the other horses and riders and he's losing focus on his job and just ignoring us completely. We're the farthest thing from his mind at that point. And if we're going to fix that and create new mental habits, desensitizing just getting him used to other horses and riders being around, it'll only get us so far. Just like with the arena banner analogy, desensitizing to all the banners on earth and riding him up to it and letting him touch it with his nose a hundred times, that only gets you so far with some horses. A lot of times you have to take things a step further and find ways to start getting in this horse's head and start engaging this horse's feet. Bend him around laterally, take his nose around to our toe and soften his rib cage off our inside leg, turn him around on our foot, back him up, yield his hindquarters aggressively. We need to do something to redirect and hustle the horse's feet the moment he takes his focus and attention away from us. We need to correct him with enough uh, intensity and firmness that we make a statement and we get inside his head and, and grab his full attention. However, being effective, quote unquote, doesn't just mean that you grab the horse's full attention in the moment that you take a hold of him. It means that you keep him in that bind and you only release him when you get a soft and submissive feel. Because what we're really trying to do ultimately is get the horse what we call mentally soft. The biggest mistake out there uh, that we see, especially with riders who do lots of lateral bending and suppling on their horses, that whole process turns into a race oftentimes where the horse is being really reactive or anticipating, so the rider will reef him around and, and 
the horse, they know that the horse is going to anticipate being pulled on. So the rider themselves tries to be super quick about it and they try to beat the horse to the punch. And if the horse does soften, they'll immediately throw the reins back at him way too quick. They don't maintain that hold and challenge the horse to stay with them and stay soft. They basically do the training equivalent of a high five or what we call the hot potato give. And that's not what you want. You don't want to snatch at the horse. You want to be firm, but smooth and methodical. Smooth and proficient, as one mentor told me. And you want to maintain that hold until the horse truly relaxes and submits. So if you're jogging circles and softening the horse vertically with his nose tipped, for example, as you're drawing the reins in toward your hips, if the horse is getting stiff or resistant right there, you're, you're not just going to release the reins the moment he tips his nose in. You're going to stay with him, maintain that hold, maintain that pressure, use your legs to keep driving him forward and around until you feel him relax and soften through his entire body. Breaking over at the withers, softening his entire body, not just tipping his nose in and softening in the face. You need that horse to really commit to being relaxed and soft. Only by consistently asking for that are you going to create the kind of mental softness, quote-unquote, and good habits that we're looking to create. And that's true for bending, circles, turning around on the foot, anything you could conceivably do to correct the horse, to redirect his feet. You should have those same expectations of only releasing the pressure when the horse feels truly soft and committed through the whole body. What you can do through consistency and repetition over time is every time you feel that horse leave mentally, be reactive, do something silly, jump sideways, what have you, you take a hold of them and make that correction. And if you only ever release when the horse gives you that soft and submissive and committed feel, they, they feel committed to being soft. They're not just nodding their head or bending their head and neck just to, you know, brush you away like a fly. It's like, oh, I'll, I'll give you that pressure, but ah, I didn't really mean it, you know, and then they take their nose right back. You don't want that. You want them to stay with you there and be committed. And sometimes you've got to hold that position longer than you think you need to in order to challenge them to finally try just being committed and just being soft and submitting to it. And then you can release to that. And if you consistently release to that, you create that habit that for the past while, every time that horse mentally left you or did something silly, you know, you immediately caught him and took a hold of him right there, corrected him, and you only released when he came back to you mentally softened and submitted. So every time you've allowed him to go off with the fairies and get lost, you caught him there. You basically caught him with his pants down, surprised him a little bit, brought him back to you, put him back in a bind and said, hey, come here, listen to me and engaged and redirected his feet. And so the horse will start to expect that the moment he, quote, leaves you mentally, that you're just going to bring him right back and you're actually going to make him work a little bit harder and feel even more uncomfortable than if he would have just stayed on task in the first place. So then he's not going to go out on a limb as much and take those, quote, risks as he sees it. There's no point. There's no return on investment. He might as well just focus on you. And that's why it's so important to be consistent in making these corrections. Where people go wrong is they'll pull the horse around one time and then they go right back to what they were doing before. And they're surprised when the horse mentally leaves them and gets reactive and spooky again. And the problem simply was that they didn't make that correction with enough consistency or repetition to break the negative mental habit that the horse was entrenched in. And you got to realize that 
if the horse has been getting away with this type of behavior for months or even years in some cases, it's going to take a lot of consistent work sessions and consistent correction before he'll start committing to actually keeping his attention and focus on you. It's not something that just gets fixed in one or two sessions. This is like a habit that you have to build over time. And it makes your job all the harder if you have to go back and correct old habits that are well ingrained. You know, it's, it takes much more time than if you're dealing with a young horse that doesn't have all this baggage and is a clean slate. So just keep that in mind that this is not something that gets fixed in a day or even a week. It's going to take several weeks of consistently making these corrections this way and having that priority of getting the horse to mentally engage with you and actually commit to softening, submitting, coming back to you mentally and not just looking for any excuse to leave and be reactive about something. And remember, too, that you need the consistency, but you also need to be effective. The difference between an effective correction and an ineffective one is simply how many times you have to make it. And I've heard people tell me before that, you know, I redirected his feet like you said. I did that a hundred times and it's just not getting any better. Well, if you're not making progress, it means that you're not being effective enough. What's the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result? Well, you got to apply that to this situation. If you're getting no results, then you're not really getting inside this horse's head and being effective enough. You need to correct him with more intensity. You need to, you know, I hesitate to use the word aggressive, but if that's what helps you think about it that way, be more aggressive, be more demanding, step up your demands and expectations a little bit, and don't just settle for what you've been getting. The bottom line is that if we're going to change our horse's mental habits, we've got to put enough pressure on him to actually make him stop and think, wow, I, I don't want to make that mistake again. What have I got to do to get along here? At which point you say, hey, Mr. Ed, I'm glad you asked that. I just want you to stay focused on the job I ask of you. You know, you start paying too much attention to the other horses or things going on in the arena. If you're stiff and belligerent, I will not hesitate to pull you around aggressively. Do whatever I've got to do to get your attention and respect back on me. And that is really the secret of getting a horse to operate quietly and pay no mind to the turnback horses or the other riders or whatever is going on in the vicinity. It's not about desensitizing or just getting them used to the other horses being near. It's about instilling mental habits in the horse that work in our favor to where they, they don't even pay attention to that stuff. We have to get them in a habit of expecting that we're going to demand their attention and respect at all times. And building those kind of habits, that plays into the other component I wanted to bring up on this problem specifically, which is that this horse, especially a cutting horse, really needs to understand his job. If our horse is already lacking confidence and he's prone to getting distracted and worried instead of respecting our judgment, then when we put him on cattle, that problem is just going to get a lot worse. If you don't do your job as far as preparation goes, it becomes a really dysfunctional scenario very quickly. So getting back to that original question of this young cutting horse lacking confidence in the pen, you've got to ask yourself, first of all, if he's really prepared and knows what's going on when he's in the cutting pen, or if he's just going through the motions with a glazed over look on his face, being reactive and nervous and not really understanding what his job is and what he's supposed to be doing. Like I alluded to earlier, the really successful programs 
don't treat building confidence in their cults lightly. That's a very serious thing that they make a real effort to foster. That's a process that takes months of preparation before you even get to work the flag. And then the real herd work comes long after that. And it really is a, it's all about confidence. Horse psychology itself is based on movement. And as trainers, we know that the key to getting inside a horse's head, teaching him anything, is to use movement, create, redirect, and inhibit the movement. That's how you gain control of a horse's feet, and by extension, his mind. That's how horses treat each other, which is why this psychology works to our advantage, and also how horses treat other animals, other horses and cattle included. So in the cutting or cow horse game, your job is to get to a point in your training where you have the horse confident and being relaxed about you training on them, handling them. He needs to be operating at a certain level. Uh, you need to be able to control his movement to a certain degree in a confident way to where it's basically second nature. So you're not really having to do a lot of training on him. He's not getting nervous and offended about the corrections you're making. He's confident enough with it that it's kind of second nature now. So now you've got him to a point where you can start teaching him how to control the cow's movement. It's less important to track cattle around and try to desensitize or get the horse used to being around cattle. Especially on a well-bred horse that is feely, athletic, and sensitive, you can really break their confidence quickly. This is why the more successful programs that I've seen treat this with such seriousness is because it really is, it takes time to develop. It's not something that just happens. So those habits of mental softness I was talking about earlier, that plays a huge role here in like you need to be able to handle and move and bend and supple and stop and back up and turn and be able to correct issues and have that horse be in a habit of even if he doesn't do everything perfect, even if you have to correct him, he's not super fractious and worried about you making that correction. He's just solid and confident about being handled, about being picked up on, about being moved around. And that is the first building block that you have to get established. You have to have those habits already in place, in my opinion, before you even put him on cattle. You know, revisit the flag, spend a session or two solo in the cutting pin, no turn back help, just one steer on the fence. Revisit the basics of how to step up to that cow, create movement, stops and turns, and just make sure you're doing it with some confidence. You know, that's the time where if you are seeing a lot of apprehension or the horse is really anticipating or leaning, he's off balance, etc., you can really get into those issues and correct them. And it's not such an intense scenario as the herd work is. There's just less going on, less to worry about, and you can really get into the nitty-gritty and, and root out these issues there. So nine times out of ten, these lack of confidence issues just means go back, build his confidence with the simple stuff, create better habits, and when he's more confident and paying attention, then you're ready to work out of the herd. A lot of, a lot of times, just like with the reining horses that we talk about so much, you can preemptively root out a lot of problems if you're methodical about building a horse's confidence in those early stages. A lot of times in the reining example with rundowns, people jump the gun and really start putting a lot of pressure on the young horses when they're not quite ready. Then they run into all sorts of leaning issues, the horse running off, blowing through stops, all things that, in our opinion, could have just preemptively been put to bed and you wouldn't have to worry about that if you did a little bit more preparation. But I also realize that preparation isn't everything. You know, sometimes there are issues that come up in the moment, depending on the horse, that you need to correct in the moment. 
So going back to this cutting horse example, you know, if you feel confident that you've built good mental habits in the horse and yet he's still being apprehensive and he's spooking and overreacting or he's really anticipating or leaning, but it only shows up when you're actually working out of the herd or you have turn back help there with you, then yes, you do need to address that lack of focus in the moment, get that horse's attention back on you using the same style of correction that I talked about earlier. So whether you're pulling him off the cow and turning him around aggressively, backing him up, getting him off your leg, fixing those leaning issues, etc., you want to gather him up, make your correction, and only release when he is settled, when he's submitting, when he's softening, not while he's still being scrambly and jumping around. If you want to root out those bad habits of him being overreactive and jittery, you have to make that a priority. You want to reward and always release to a soft and submissive feel. You can't just knock that horse around and, you know, put his already frazzled mind in a blender and then just release and drive him on again while he's still being nervous and scrambly. You have to prioritize building his confidence at this point. Because again, he's two years old. Okay. He's a baby. So we're not going to let him get away with murder, but we have to prioritize building his confidence first. So You know, if we have to take a few sessions where it feels like that's all we're getting done is just making those corrections and you just have to pull him off the cow and forget that for a minute or two while we go work on something else, like we just have to do it. We have to be flexible enough in our program that we'll use a few herd work sessions as burn cards like in poker until the horse feels like he's operating more confidently in the herd work scenario. Then we can refocus on the work itself. Quite honestly, what this two-year-old would benefit from, in my opinion, is several weeks where you just put the cow work on pause, go back and look at the other aspects of how he's riding. Are we instilling good warm-up habits? Are we getting him soft, listening, challenging him a little bit, and actually getting something done? Or are we long trotting in circles without touching his face and then just going right in the pin? Uh, and in our dry work, or on the flag, with a single steer on the fence, is he Do we have good fundamentals? Is he stopping straight and soft and correct? Uh, Is he engaging that hind end? Is he balanced? Is he stepping around clean? Is he keeping everything gathered up underneath of himself? Or is he leaning and swashbuckling around like a raft on the rapids, blowing through stops, not listening, hopping around like a chicken that just stepped on a Lego? Like These are the questions that we need to ask ourselves. And It's really important in a two-year-old's development that we build confidence, and I've been harping on this a lot, but it it is so key is that we talk a lot about this with the reining horses, with the cow horses, it doesn't matter. It's, It's equally important everywhere. It really doesn't matter what the end goal is. The successful guys at every level and the people that we look up to, both Luke and myself, they all seem to have things in common. They're methodical. They put in the consistency and the repetition necessary to get the horse mentally dialed in, not just physically going through the motions of the maneuvers, but really understanding what he's supposed to do and being mentally committed to it. And you have to challenge the horse to do that. It's also a product of the habits that you build over time. Good habits are not just, they don't just spring up overnight like a weed. You have to seed them. You have to water them and nurture them for months on end. Until they finally pay off but when they do pay off they pay off in a big way 